0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports.
1: One-one pitch, fastball, pulled, and passed toward the in corner. Get up, Bob! Get up! Get out of here! Get up. Got a fantasy question? Email Baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes real. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Keith, and Chris. Hey, what's up, everyone? Adam Azer here with a very distracted Scott White. He is filling out his bracket. He's got to get it (laughs) in. Adam made me. He made me do it. (laughs) I
0: didn't want to.
1: Beat the deadline here on Thursday morning, March 21st. We're recording a little later than usual. No video today. Just me and Scott. Old school audio podcasting and big show. Eloy Jimenez, Francisco Lindor. Jesus Lizardo, Alex Calame, Craig Kimbrell. We got some big news to get to. We got another baseball game to talk about. The Mariners take both games in Japan, 5-4 today, and a thriller. An extra innings thriller. You sh- you can't assume the double play, people. Everybody knew that should have been a double play. Scott doesn't know what I'm talking about, uh, but it should have been a double play, and the game should still be just Because you just woke up. Like, you're exhausted. You read it all over my face. Uh, yeah. So anyway, some, tomorrow, Friday, is going to be a complete ADP review because I figure a lot of people were drafting over the weekend. We're just going to go as, as late as far as we can through ADP. Good picks, bad picks. What looks good? What looks what looks bad? Whatever. So uh, that's tomorrow. Today, I want to know who Scott has moved the most in his rankings, up or down, since the start of spring training. That doesn't necessarily mean because of its uh, spring training performances, but any type of development, guys that are moving up or down, plus position battles, players we really, really want to draft. Let's start with the big news. Eloy Jimenez, six years, $43 million. So we, and Heath especially, have been saying he's been going way too late to begin with. His ADP was like in the 130s or something like that. and. We think he's much better than that. But now where should Eloy Jimenez go?
0: Yeah, he should go higher than that. And it's kind of disappointing because he was one of the ones I had moved the most in spring training. I had moved him down. He was originally my number 19 outfielder. And I I, I found I I kept chickening out when the time came to draft him. Wasn't totally confident he was going to follow through on that mid-April timetable that would... uh, that would allow the White Sox to have an extra year of team control. Uh, didn't have a great spring. So I, I, I chickened out. I moved him way down. Obviously, now all that service time nonsense is out the window. And presumably he's going to be on the opening day roster because of that. The, the Phillies did something like this with Scott Kingery last year. I still don't think it's a, foregone conclusion because you know this wasn't like Acuna last year or Chris Bryant the other famous example where they were like the best player in spring training and it was obvious they should be up Aloy Jimenez was bad but you know tiny sample it doesn't the, the White Sox there's a good chance they recognize it doesn't really mean anything and there's nothing more to gain by sending him to AAA and he's he's up so I'm I'm now approaching him as if he is their opening day left fielder I haven't moved him all the way up to where I have him before because by now I am so firmly entrenched on getting Yasiel Puig and David Dahl. I don't want to move him ahead of them. But he is, I think, 25th in my outfield rankings, Jimenez is, which puts him in the top 80 in Roto Leagues, five outfielder Roto Leagues, and it puts him in the top 100 in points. Would you take Lorenzo Cain or Eloy Jimenez? I have him behind Kane, so I'd take Kane.
1: Would you take Michael Conforto or Eloy Jimenez?
0: I I think I have him ahead of Conforto, I think. Jimenez.
1: David Dahl or Conforto or Jimenez? Well, uh,
0: if you were listening to what I was saying, oh, I, wasn't, I wasn't can't bring myself to take him ahead of Dahl, so oh, Dahl's okay. ahead. Uh
1: okay, so Eli, give me a projected stat line for Eloy.
0: Uh, okay so let me try and think here without getting too over my skis is that the expression you can
1: you can put the word ish at the end of every stat ish yeah that's
0: that's nando's thing to do 280 ish Ish? (laughs) yeah (laughs) whatever um all right so kind of Tempering expectations a bit. A modest projection for Eloy Jimenez. I'm going to say 270 batting average, 29 homers. um, Something like 80 RBI, 75 runs scored. Okay. And very few steals. No, like,
1: forget steals. Yeah, okay. no,
0: I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect many steals. But, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see if the low strikeout rate carries over to the majors. Because that could make him... You know, I may have understated the batting average there. He's he's really good. He, he should be, obviously, if I have my 25th outfielder, I'm drafting him as a fantasy starter, basically format of any depth right out of the
1: gate. Okay, Scott, Francisco Lindor has not been ruled out for opening day, so he's certainly ahead of his timetable. And when would you feel comfortable taking Francisco Lindor, and have you changed your mind about him running this year, which you don't think he's going to steal that many bases? Now you know how big a fan I am of Dr. Mike
0: Tanner, oh yeah and he he was he totally nailed the Daniel Murphy timetable at this time a year ago when the nationals were being so vague and making it sound like yeah, it won't be long, and it ended up being like half the season and Dr. Mike Tanner was all over that he is he is thinking he is um like right on track possibly opening day, and he's still thinking 15 to 20 steals for him. I still have my concerns, but I want to throw my, Dr. Mike Tanner's opinion out there, since I think so highly of it. I, I'll, I'll take him in the top 15, Lindor, but not in the first round.
1: Really? Okay, still. Interesting. So like you're going to take Yellich over him, and yeah. Harper... What about, like, the first baseman, Freeman and Goldschmidt? Or Goldschmidt and Freeman? I I might, when push comes to shove, take
0: Goldschmidt over him, just because I feel like it, it. it's a better chance of building a stout roster all the way through because first base is a harder position to fill in the rounds that follow than shortstop is. But... I think just from the perspective of who's going to have a better season, I would take Lindor ahead.
1: All right, Scott, let's go to Jesus Lazardo. He's going to be shut down for four to six weeks with a strained rotator cuff. This is A's pitching prospect, Jesus Lazardo, who was a, a spring riser for sure. And when should he be drafted, Jesus Lazardo? If you're in a league that drafts Forrest Whitley, where you expect him
0: to go, then Luzardo should still be drafted. I, I'm not expecting to see him until June because by the, the phrasing of it, he'll be shut down four to six weeks. I assume that means no throwing whatsoever, which means he'll have to build up again. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're drafting Whitley with, under the same set of criteria. Elite prospect, probably not up until the summer. Can't stash him in a DL spot. I don't think he'll be able to stash Luzardo on a DL spot because he's not on the 40-man roster. So I don't think he'll wind up on the DL um, I could be wrong about Bummer. that, but I don't think so. Yeah, okay. okay. So it, it's it's a bench spot you're talking about. So he's not getting drafted everywhere anymore, but he's still draftable, I think, in the in the average mixed league.
1: That's Jesus Lizardo. Alex Colomay appears to be the favorite to open the Caesar as, season as the White Sox closer, according to the Chicago Sun-Times. Do you anticipate Colomay will hold on to that?
0: I do. I think he's their best reliever. Uh, but, you know, Kelvin Herrera has some influence there, and it's it's hardly a foregone conclusion.
1: And Corey Kniebel—okay, this is big. Corey Kniebel is not throwing, and they're talking to K- Craig Kimbrell. So, Knebel says he's not hurt. I don't know. They're just giving him a little bit of rest. But, yeah, I mean, there's a chance that, that Craig Kimbrel is going to be the Brewers' closer. So, what do we do right now?
0: <laughs> I- I'm avoiding Kniebel for the time being. I mean, if he falls to, like, the Matt Barnes-Archie Bradley range, okay, I'll take a chance on him. He still has top five potential as a reliever. But it's there's too much smoke here right now. Too much smoke. Got to wait till the smoke clears. As a Braves fan, I'm disappointed to hear this news because I have been holding out hope. They go after Kimbrell eventually. They have even more desperate need, like Knebel. okay, maybe he's hurt. Jeffers definitely is, but the Braves right now, AJ Minter beginning on the DL, Darren O'Day beginning on the DL. And by the way, they're not totally confident that Rodas Vizcaino can pitch back-to-back days because of his bad shoulder. So what are they going to do with the back of their bullpen? <laughs> Seems like they should bring in Kimbrel.
1: So but, so would you take Corey Knebel or Rodas Vizcaino? I
0: think I would still take Knebel. Knable, but I am not the biggest believer in Viscaino.
1: Would you take Kalame or Viscaino? Kalame would be third of that group still. How about Hunter Strickland? Two saves in two games. Or Kalame.
0: Yeah, here's the thing about Strickland and Colomay. I feel like they are among the worst relievers who have a closer role, but they seem to have a pretty firm grip on that closer role.
1: What, what's so bad about these guys? I mean, Strickland didn't have a great year last year. He he finished very poorly. Yeah, he was bad after
0: he broke his hand. He was actually pretty good before. Yeah,
1: like I know he doesn't strike out a ton of guys, but he's been a very good, consistent, you know, not great, but but good reliever. Uh, I know last year's numbers were a little ugly. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think he's going to surprise people. And unfortunately, it's too late now because two saves in two games is going to move him up draft boards, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean it's hard to even get a chance as a closer if you're just a bad reliever. But by closer standards, they don't—they don't exactly measure up. Colome did what was it two years ago? Yeah,
1: yeah, he's with great. the Rays. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but that's kind of the outlier for him to this point. I, I think like they seem like the kind of relievers I would be happy to settle for as my second option in a head-to-head points leagues where you only need two, and I'm just like whatever, whoever's still there in the last round. Uh, Because you know they'll get saves, and and in that format, you don't necessarily need great ratios. Uh, Otherwise, I think of them as number three closers.
1: For Colome, it was 2016 he was awesome. 191 ERA, 102 whip, 71 strikeouts, and 56 and two-thirds. 2017 was fine. 2018 was terrible with Tampa Bay, and then very good with Seattle. And we'll see what 2019 has in store for Alex Colome. And Ichiro is retiring. First Ballot Hall of Famer played his last game today. Uh, in a win for the Seattle Mariners, so good for him. All right, Scott, let's talk about players we really, really want to draft. So yeah, this could be I know Mondesi for you, but other than Mondesi, um, players that you really, uh, you really, really want to draft. You want them on your squads? We you got. Well. I
0: think this, the second most play, the second player who I've been most enthusiastic about drafting and it has to do with where he's going is Jesse Winker. I'd be lying if I said the bad spring didn't concern me at all. It does, especially since they have a glut of outfielders there. How much how concerned are they about finding playing time for Matt Kemp? Does uh, Philip Irvin, who had an awesome spring factor into the mix at all? Uh, these are big questions. But Winker, I think, is potentially their best outfielder over everybody, including Puig. And I think the price tag is low enough. You know, usually getting him in, like, the 14-round range in a 12-team league, it's low enough that if he busts, it's not the end of the world. And I don't really think he's going to bust. I mean, I think there's a good chance he he's hanging with Joey Votto in OPS all season. <laughs> so Jesse Winker's one. Okay. Um. I've been drafting a lot of Pete Alonso. I feel like he's not getting hyped enough. I, you know, a bat on the impact maybe of, of like a Alo- Aloy Jimenez, and he could be up from opening day too. If not, it won't be long.
1: I know. I'm just getting worried that Dominic Smith is also going to be on the opening day roster. Yeah, he, I just, I was just reading the kind of a Mets roster projection yesterday in the New York Post, and they both might be there, or maybe Smith starts and Alonso they they keep down. For a couple weeks,
0: yeah. I mean, it won't be for long. Okay. There's been a lot of hype about Dominic Smith because he looked like he was just a lost cause, and he's had a pretty good spring. He, he had some sleep changes, apnea. whatever. He sleep apnea. He has sleep three apnea. extra
1: base hits. Right. He doesn't spring. have. He doesn't have a lot of power, but he did. He had sleep apnea, and 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 he's now I think using a CPAP machine, and that will hopefully lead to better things for Dominic Smith. But three Alonzo ex- Pierce and, be and a
0: high strikeout rate, three extra base hits this spring. It's it's been. It hasn't been as impressive as just looking at the batting average would lead you to believe it is. And when, when the time comes where the Mets want to pull the cord on Alonzo, I don't think Smith's standing in his way.
1: Okay, so Winker, Pete Alonso, who else?
0: Um, I can... Yeah, I'm starting to get pretty excited about Nick Senzel, who may or may not make the opening day roster, but it would be just a service time thing like all of these other prospects. They, it's clear he's who they want in center field. The Reds and uh, you know I, I mentioned Yasiel Puig, David Dahl. They're kind of more mid-round types, but I think they have early roundup sides. So I like targeting them a lot. Harmon uh, Marquez, Chris Archer, basically all of those pitchers who've shown us ace potential in the past, but you don't have to pay an ace price tag for. I gravitate toward all of those guys on draft day. So that includes those two, and includes uh, you Darvish. Yep, that is one of mine. Yep, I think even. To an extent, even Cole Hamels, though, he's a step behind those others.
1: Yeah, so Darvish, uh, I read an article in The Athletic last night that sort of uh, calmed my fears about his blister. I think he should be fine. Uh, so I will continue to make him the player I love, you, Darvish, forever in my heart. Mm-hmm. I really want James Paxton. I think it's just a matter of staying healthy. I think he has, I don't think he's going to win the Cy Young, but I think he could be like a top three finisher. And the top five, uh, he is. He was 10th best in walk-to-strikeout ratio last year, and that is an elite list. I think he just had some bad home run luck. I'm getting more excited about Jamison Tyone as a, an awesome number three or a really good number two if you load up on hitters. I talked about that yesterday, so I won't get more into that. You Darvish, yes. Brad Peacock, I also talked about that yesterday. Really excited about him. And then that outfield group of Dahl, Pollock, Eloy Jimenez, Michael Conforto. I think Aaron Hicks is going to go way too late. I want one or two of those guys. This one is not necessarily justified by spring. or Well, I I haven't really checked spring, but justified by last year's performance. But I think of Trevor Story and how excited we were about him after his rookie year and how unexcited we were about him after his sophomore year. And that's just how I feel and how I felt since the end of 2018 about Rafael Devers. So I would like to get him. It seems like everybody feels that way about Devers. But he still goes late enough, 140th overall right around there. Just, you know, I'd like him on a couple of my rosters if possible. Rafael Devers, Uh Adam Eaton could be great value, especially with the Michael Taylor injury. You know I like me some Tyler Skaggs. Scott, I haven't said Carlos Santana's name. We haven't really talked about him. He's fine in Roto. I currently have him as my utility in our Roto League, our, our pretty deep 360-man uh Roto league. That's how many players are rostered, not per team. Uh, but Santana in points leagues, if you like, first base is shallow. But if you wait and wait, and Carlos Santana, he was the number five first baseman in points leagues last year, and he had a terrible season. And I just don't think he's that bad. So points leagues, good value on Santana. And these San Diego starting pitchers are starting to pique my interest quite a bit, especially now yeah. that Lizardo's out of the question. I think.
0: Yeah, um, I went. I'm glad you went a little lower in there because. Those, I, I'm the same way. The top three in San Diego, at least in terms of ability, I think, Chris Paddock, uh, Matt Strom, who had another good start yesterday and was lead pitcher eligible, and Joey Lucchese. Those
1: are some of my favorite late-round targets at starting pitcher right now. And they might not be such a bad team, so they might not kill you and win loss record. You know, They could be respectable this year, if, if those guys are good. <laughs> I guess they kind of go hand in hand. All right, so that those are some players that we are really looking to draft, and I hope that helps you out here. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not afraid to reach for them. There's one more that I might be taking with my next pick in an untimed draft. I'm on deck. Oh, I'm on the clock! I'm going to throw another name at you that I'm drafting late, because, uh, you know,
0: San Diego, we talked about them suddenly looking like they have a bunch of pitching options. I think Miami's the same way. Trent. Trevor Richards is the main one I'm looking at because his changeup is elite. We talk all the time about how Luis Castillo has this changeup with like a 25% swinging strike rate. Trevor Richards was right there last year. He just didn't have a well-rounded arsenal. It was mostly just the changeup. He unveiled a curveball over his last two starts last year. Two awesome starts to end the year. He stuck with it this spring. And he has been flirting with no hitters, it seems like, every time out there. So very excited about Trevor Richards. to a lesser extent Caleb Smith who has like an elite uh, fastball with an elite spin rate and has been getting tons of strikeouts you know for a while last year we were excited about him and then he had a season ending shoulder injury. I you know he, he might be a last very last round kind of pick for me Caleb Smith. But both of those pitchers I think are pretty exciting.
1: So also in the athletic, uh, I saw the Marlins rider project their rotation and he has Caleb Smith in the bullpen. With but with opportunities to make starts, basically, with Jose Araña, Dan Straley, Sandy Alcantara, Trevor Richards, and Pablo Lopez in the rotation. But he said about Lopez, quote, expect the Marlins to monitor his overall innings this season as Lopez is coming off a shoulder strain that forced him to be shut down last September. That makes him a likely candidate to flip-flop from rotation to bullpen if they keep six or seven starters. Yeah, I think of the three
0: who have really impressed the most this spring are Richards, Caleb Smith and uh, Pablo Lopez. And, per, you know, if if they give preferential treatment to just some of the presumptive favorites going in, like wei and Chen and Sandy Alcantara, then, you know, I, I think the only one for sure of those ones we really like are Richards. He's the only one who's, who's locked in on the job. Uh, but it, it just depends how they decide to play it because Lopez Smith and Richards... Have earned it while those other guys haven't. And a lot of those other guys, I mean, Wei and Chen, what are they holding out hope for there anymore?
1: Oh, Wei and Chen, who, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, but I, I don't know. I'm going to look it up right now. I think his home ERA last year may have been under two. It was, uh, it was stunning. He was so good at home. So, uh, we will talk more about players that we are moving up, that Scott has moved up throughout spring training or moved down. Update you on some position battles. Dakota Hudson is looking like he will be the St. Louis number 5 starting pitcher. I want to talk about Jordan Hicks and his major control problems this spring. But first, I want to tell you about the Podcast League. Hey, Adam, Podcast League draft is on Monday. When are you going to announce who's in the league? Tomorrow. Tomorrow I will let you know if you are in the Podcast League. Uh, so far, I've got the three songs you heard, and I'm going to leave a spot open for whoever is one of the people leading after this weekend in the NCAA tournament bracket, which will probably be like a 200-way tie, unfortunately. (laughs) I feel like previously we did the draft after the second weekend of the tournament. Is that possible? I don't know. Um, But I'll leave one spot open for that, and that will leave four more spots that I'll be choosing tonight, and I will let you know tomorrow. Meanwhile, if you want to watch all of your March Madness games, NCAA March Madness Live is where you can get direct streaming access to live coverage of every game. NCAA March Madness Live is available across 17 streaming platforms. One of the coolest features available is Fast Break, which now covers the entire first weekend. So when multiple games are being played, Fast Break has live whip-around coverage, the option to switch from game to game for live look-ins, quick turnaround highlights... Got real time analysis. You got social reaction and commentary for all games and it's all in one place. So look, we've been getting you ready for this stretch all year long. You really don't want to miss a second of the action. Download NCAA March Madness Live now on your streaming device. Uh, Let's talk about Scott's crappy headline from his spring training story. Uh do you know what it is? Have you, can you think? Oh man, this was a crappy headline. Well they, they could all they could all be
0: deemed crappy. So I don't know which direction you're no, going with I, this. I it it like probably them. straddles the line
1: between awesome and crappy. <laughs> this was terrible. Uh Okay. No lowballing, Lao. Like his name is Lao. Right. You can't say lowballing? Well, it it you know, I can. <laughs> crappy headline. <laughs> okay. But Brandon Lau did get a major league. Uh, he got a, a contract. It was like $24 million. Yeah. So that's cool. It is. And, and actually, this is probably, of
0: my sleepers, of the sleepers I feel best about, this might be the one getting the least attention from the, um, from the industry at large. His ADP on Fantasy Pros, I think, is so low that it doesn't even show up. He doesn't show up on the ADP page, Brandon Lau. Lau. And mm-hmm. I, uh, he's at 371. Okay, so it's it must have changed. He must be picking up some traction lately here. But in any case, that's really low. That's outside of the standard mixed league range. Coming in, he didn't. It didn't look like he had a job. But they were trying him at first base at spring training. Obviously, he's already played outfield and second base in the major leagues. Like it, it seemed to me that just between those three positions, considering they have so many moving parts everywhere at the Rays, that uh, it wouldn't be hard to find regular at bats for him between those three spots. And he's been their best hitter this spring. His minor league track record, particularly last year, very impressive. Guy who gets on base a lot, power to all fields. I I, I don't know why he's not more hyped as a prospect, frankly, because he looks like a just a terrific hitter. And I think this contract, first of all, it shows they're committed to having him on the roster. And second of all, it shows they expect him to be a big contributor. I mean, you don't hand out a six year deal to a guy you think of as just, you know, just some extra utility bat off your bench. I think he's going to play a lot. I think he's going to exceed 20 homers this year. I don't know by how much, but that, Alone should pique your interest, particularly wow. in like a standard roto lineup with the extra outfield spots, the extra middle infield spot.
1: This is Brandon Lau we're talking about for the Tampa Bay Rays. And uh, what is his eligibility? Is it just second base? For now. Okay.
0: But I expect him to pick up outfield and first base. Okay. I've been dra- I drafted him in both my 15 team roto leagues as a bench player, but nice. I, I expect he's going to see a lot of time in my lineup in both. Um, in my AL only roto league i have him
1: there i don't think he's I, I think it's time to talk about him in like
0: 12 team roto leagues though
1: yeah that's great all right brandon lau good stuff that scott's been talking about him since basically the end of last season he had a great september he had like an 8 850ish ops in september and uh there there you go you can get him for free let's uh, talk about baseball seattle 9 we because we've not been doing that all show seattle 9 oakland 7 on wednesday morning And Seattle 5, Oakland 4 on Thursday morning. And we already talked about the Wednesday developments on yesterday's show. Heath and I talked about that. In case you missed it, Domingo Santana hit a Grand Slam. Today he doubled and drove in a run. He is 2 for 10. The Grand Slam was somewhat cheap. This was a big-time hitter's ballpark. D Gordon, uh, I think, has three hits and one steal. Looks good. Bad leadoff in both games. Heath did point out. Malik Smith did not play, but... What are they going to just send D Gordon to the nine hole when Malik Smith gets back? That would sort of surprise me. Um, well, although, what else would they do? Put Malik Smith in the nine hole. Like D Gordon is better than Malik Smith.
0: Hmm. We'll see. Yeah. I'm not sure I agree with you it's, on that.
1: It makes a difference, but D Gordon looks good and healthy, and it, it, where he hits in the order would really make a difference. Uh, okay, so two things. Let's get let's get one out of the way here. Tim Beckham is off to a great start. Uh, He went 3-for-3 on Wednesday with a home run. And today he went 2-for-4 with a double. Do you care at all about Tim Beckham? He's 10% owned. Uh, By the way, Tim Beckham is playing for Seattle right now.
0: Not to the extent that he needs to be more than 10% owned. He does, you know, maybe at some point J.P. Crawford replaces him, but he does look like the Mariners starting shortstop for the time being. He has some pop, but he is. He has terrible plate discipline and isn't going to hit for. A, I don't think a, even like a respectable batting average, despite this hot start.
1: Okay, now the other thing is Kikuchi. So I uh, I watched uh, most of it. I didn't see the first inning, but yeah, like it was it was encouraging until it wasn't encouraging at all. He was great through four innings. Came out in the fifth inning, ran into some trouble, left with a couple men on base, and he had given up a run. Uh, another run scored, but it was unearned. Final line for Yusei Kikuchi, was only 76% owned, which means probably not owned in 10-team leagues. Four and two-thirds, four hits, two runs, one earned, one walk, and three strikeouts. He was on a pitch count, and he seemed to run out of gas. And I guess first start of the year, it's not that surprising. But yeah, the first one yeah, innings looked great. 90. Yeah, yeah. But he labored in that last inning um, but the first four innings were great for Kikuchi I'm glad I got a chance to see him I don't really have any major takeaways I don't I don't want to taint people with my thoughts my scouting report on him because I don't feel comfortable with it but what do you think about you say Kikuchi where do you think he should be going I
0: th- think he should be going about uh, let me pull up my rankings here so I don't unknowingly contradict them yeah, I have him 38. I was going to say top 40. Uh, I, I think probably that ownership percentage has to do with the fact that a lot of leagues just haven't drafted yet. And yeah. so obviously he's not on the rosters. He's not on any roster in a league that hasn't drafted yet. So I, I suspect he'll be close to 90% owned when yeah. all is said and done. There's, I, I What I like about Kikuchi, uh, this start notwithstanding, I mean, it is a mid-March start, so... I don't think it's fair to expect these guys to have be quite totally stretched out yet. But what I like about Kikuchi is that I think he's going to give you a frontline pitcher volume on a start by start basis. Yeah, he may, they may have to pull back at, at some point, you know, he may serve a DL stint at some point. He doesn't have the greatest track record health wise. Yes.
1: That's that was pointed out on the broadcast. Kikuchi has a, a pretty extensive history of arm injuries.
0: But I think when he does pitch, he'll be a pretty consistent source of six-inning outings, which is pretty valuable in today's landscape. Mm-hmm. Could be right around the strikeout per inning. I don't think he's going to hurt himself with walks. I think he's going to be very solid. I think... Me too. Uh, I think a good comparison... What would be a good comparison? Um... Let's see. I'm struggling to find a good comparison. Like maybe kind of Jose Quintana like, but prior to last year's version of Jose Quintana. Maybe like a Kyle Hendricks, but with more strikeouts. Yeah, something like that.
1: I think he's yeah uh, yeah. Uh, okay, top forty pitcher. I think that's a that's a good range. Uh, also, Domingo Santana stole a base today, so he's he is off to a pretty good start. Despite he's two for ten, whatever, but fifty three percent owned right now. Domingo Santana and uh, Heath would be very excited about that. Blake and by the way, two scoreless innings with four strikeouts. All right, news and notes. Let's see what else we have. We have news and notes. We have fab talk. We have rankings adjustments, position battles, and your emails. I hope you can all listen to the rest of the show because we have a lot of important stuff to get to. Uh, we'll get to the news and notes right after this quick break. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, Chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Scott, Luis Severino felt no pain while throwing yesterday, and... Okay, is he a top 100 pick for you, Luis Severino? I want to say he is.
0: Again, I'd have to pull up my rankings to be sure, but I know I'm not downgrading him as much as some
1: people are. Okay. Yeah, I actually read, I think in Joel Sherman's column, that he has a chance to come back in April, which seems remote. But what I took from that was that he's not going to miss the entire first half or anything like that. You know, well, what
0: you have to remember, and this is the point I every time I bring up Herman Marquez and Chris Archer and that whole group of pitchers, I like beyond the early round range, is that you're 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 not the odds of you finding an ace. Yeah, you know, it's like a needle in a haystack now because these guys aren't just even the talented pitchers. You can't just presume that kind of workload. So somebody who you already know is an ace, even if it's a wait for him, it's just such a rare commodity that like it's it's kind of it's kind of a nice luxury to know Luis Severino is going to be out there later than you ever expected him to be. Uh, he's somebody who, what
1: would, would, would you take Chris Archer or Luis Severino?
0: I would take Severino. Okay. I have Severino just behind Jack Flaherty. Oh, okay. so that's kind of the range I'm thinking 65th overall in the points leagues. Sure. It's lower in Roto, but yeah, I would, I would assume top 100 still in that format.
1: So I I, need, I just need to speed us up here as it's my fault. We're just not getting to uh, some of the things we need to talk about. But you are not really interested in Luis Sessa, and you mentioned in your story you haven't seen anything to explain why Sessa is having such a great – and he has is having a great spring. And he will almost certainly be in the Yankees rotation for a little while. Um He has added a two-seamer, and that has been an effective pitch for him. So I just wanted to throw that out there. He's in better shape. He's got more confidence. But the two-seamer, I think, is also very important. And how about this? The Yankees' schedule in April is so easy. Their (laughs) first nine games are against Baltimore and Detroit. Then they go three at Houston. But then then the White Sox. Then two against Boston. Then four games against Kansas City. Four games at the Angels. At San Francisco. At Arizona. So, yeah, look, standard mixed league, no. But... I think that probably Sessa and Herman are gonna have some good matchups early in the year. They might be someone that were someone's people that we're talking about the uh, streaming.
0: Yeah, I never like to put a ceiling on anybody, particularly particularly a pitcher who throws ninety-seven, right? Like Sessa does. He does? So I'm I'm keeping it open mind. But among Pitchers who've raised eyebrows this spring. He's he ranks pretty mo- low on my list because there's basically nothing to get excited about in either the major or minor league track record, right? And it's a pretty extensive track record at this point. Okay, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm much more excited about Domingo Herman, he's somebody I'm targeting late in every draft. Sessa, I. You know, he's. I think of him more as if he impresses his first two outings of the regular season, then maybe we talk about picking him up.
1: Clayton Kershaw could be back in mid to late April, so uh, we'll take him over Severino. Uh, Luis Castillo is going to be Cincinnati's opening day starter, and he's not having a good spring. But you are not concerned about Luis Castillo's bad spring, right?
0: No, I'm not. I mean, the, you you know there's some risks going in. It's not a sure thing, but... I, I don't think a bad spring takes away from the upside I see there.
1: I like that they're making him the opening day starter. They've got some other options there. I mean, they could go with, like, a Tanner Arc or something like that. I don't know if Sonny Gray—is Sonny Gray going to be ready for opening day?
0: I think he is.
1: Yeah, they could. Alex they could Wood go. isn't. Alex Wood, no. But they, they've got some options there, so I like the confidence there that they have in Castillo. Joey Gallo still dealing with a groin issue, but he could be ready for opening day. Reese Hoskins has left shoulder soreness. They are downplaying it, say he will be ready for opening day. All right, Andrew McCutcheon's going to bat leadoff for Philadelphia. Now, I I really don't think he's that good anymore, but I do think he is good in points leagues. I think Heath and, and Chris would probably be higher on him in Roto than I would, but you know I think he's a fading player. But this is a big deal to me that McCutcheon, I thought he was going to bat first or second, so I guess not a huge deal. But uh, I love it. I, I think in points leagues this guy could be your third outfielder And could honestly be like... It's kind of how I feel about Aaron Hicks. I mean, these guys could be top 15 outfielders in points.
0: Uh Yeah, I mean, he is is a fading player, McCutcheon. But one thing he still does very well is gets on base. And now he's getting on base at the top of the lineup ahead of players like Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto. He's going to score a ton of runs if he stays healthy. And... On the road last year, he hit 13 of his 20 home runs. You know, obviously spent most of last year in San Francisco. He had 14 steals on the season. I mean, going to a park like San Francisco, and even where he was before in Pittsburgh, really really tough place for right-handed hitters. Uh, San Francisco obviously is worse for left-handers, but it's just bad for everybody. Now he's going to Philadelphia, a great hitter. Like I right. think it, if only because of the change in environment, it'll... It'll appear to be a a season where he, um, you know, he gets some of that skill back. I don't know if he'll really be getting skill back, but it'll appear that way in the numbers because I think the the venue change is that significant. And looks so like I like him. Yeah. Uh, he'll i I him. would be fine with him as my number two outfielder. I haven't ranked more like a number three, but you know, I don't invest a lot in outfield, and I'm, I'd be cool with him as my number two.
1: In both points and Roto, or only in points leagues?
0: In both, because he's not a zero for steals, and you just have a lot more outfield spots to fill in Roto. I, I do think this, the, the skill set favors points leagues, but the other circumstances I think makes it pretty even in terms of how I prioritize McCutcheon.
1: And Segura is projected a bat second, which is also nice. Aaron Hicks says he's pain-free. He's eligible to come off the DL on April 4th. Dellon Batances is going to start the season on the IL. Oh, I said DL for Hicks and IL for Batances. i got to get out of that habit. With a shoulder impingement, which is just inflammation, but uh, it's it's uh, a little worrisome. I mentioned it before they put him on the IL or said they were going to put him on the IL. Batances not throwing hard at all, having a, a rough spring. Pedro Strope may not be ready for opening day, which kind of screws up one of my strategies of waiting and waiting and waiting and takes, taking Strope. And then either adding Morrow after in a shallow league, or also taking Morrow and then putting him on the DL, uh, depending on league depth. But Strope may not be ready for opening day, so then it's Carl Edwards Jr., Steve Cishek, Brandon Kinsler, Brian Dunsing as possible options there. Strope should be back pretty early in the season. And yeah, yeah, but
0: I mean, he's not exactly proven in the role. It, it, it's possible somebody like Steve Cishek could end up filling. Do, doing what I presumed Strope might be able to do, which is just not giving up the job once he's in it. Scott, I I still think Strope's the top guy to draft in that bullpen, but it's it's kind of a mess right now.
1: Scott, you want to talk about rankings adjustments? The biggest risers and fallers for you over the last month or so?
0: Sure, we can talk about that. Uh, I haven't been keeping a list, so. I wish I could be a little more organized about this, but um, you know we already talked about the Padres pitchers, Strom, Paddock, and Luke Casey. They've all moved up a lot. The Marlins pitchers, particularly Trevor Richards and Caleb Smith. Uh, Ryan McMahon is somebody we've talked about a lot, but not necessarily in this show. I now tier him among first basemen. That's the position where he's eligible. Obviously going to be second base soon, but I now tier him with, like, Luke Voigt and Pete Alonso, Ryan McMahon. So somebody I'm very excited about drafting, just like I am those two. Um, Austin Hayes, I understand he's beginning the year in the minors, but I think he was one of the biggest risers this spring, kind of reminded everybody of his potential, and I think we'll see him before the end of April. Definitely worth drafting in five outfielder leagues. Kyle Wright, who was kind of lost in the Braves' glut of pitching prospects and then kind of went out to the front of the pack this spring to the point that he's probably in the starting five to begin the year. And who knows after that? I mean, Sean Newcomb has had a terrible time throwing strikes this spring. Tukey Toussaint, no guarantees he sticks. So maybe Wright is the one who does. He's relief pitcher eligible. Um, i throw a name but,
1: out at you. Sure. I think you wrote about him recently. Where's Nick Pavetta for you now? Has he moved up for you?
0: I I feel like I have him ranked pretty optimistically. And he's in my breakouts column. I haven't drafted him anywhere yet because it just seems like he's such a trendy breakout pick that there's somebody in every league who's just crazy enthusiastic for him. But I like Nick Pavetta. I, I haven't moved him up. I have moved up Shane Bieber into the Nick Pavetta range. Also kind of a trendy breakout pick. I wasn't totally on board with it, but now I am. Then what range are we talking? Like, when would you be comfortable taking Pavetta and Bieber? So pulling up my rankings here. It's loading. Uh, Nick Pavetta, I have 41st. Bieber, I have 40th. So right there behind Kikuchi, who we were talking about 38th before. I also have them behind John Gray, who I also consider breakout, but, uh, I think he's a little more proven in terms of how pit- deep he pitches into games. And more strikeout potential. Uh, you know what? Pavetta's strikeout potential is probably similar. Um, But yeah, Shane Bieber added a changeup this spring, and it might be a difference maker for him. It's looking really good.
1: Cool. All right. All right. Uh, all right. Anything else, Scott? Anything else? You guys who have dropped in your rankings?
0: Well, let me think here. Loy Jimenez
1: had... Did did Luke Voigt drop in your rankings? I know that was a sleeper for you, but it's not clear what's going to happen at first base there. They're both going to make the team out of spring training until Hicks comes back, it seems. Yeah. I am Uh, am loving my Greg Bird at 360th overall pick in our Roto League. I'm loving it.
0: uh, Here's what I don't understand. I I guess I kind of understand, but... I don't think it's a good enough reason.
1: Why can't they start both? I think you're playing with fire if you if you have Stanton in the field every day. He is not considered a bad defender. He's always injured. Last year he didn't because he DH'd a good, a good amount. I'm talking about Stanton. Yeah, stanted. maybe.
0: Uh, the reason I've seen is that it, it, it makes it hard if you need to replace an outfielder mid-game. True. Um, and Okay, fine. But if they believe in Bird as much as they claim, they believe in Voight as much as they claim, that would seem like an easy solution. Just D.H. Void, Bird at first base, Stanton and Judges both in the outfield. When Aaron Hicks comes back, he takes over in center. You're only losing Brett Gardner that way. And obviously he's coming off the bench as an outfielder, so you have an outfield replacement there. There's, no, know, way
1: I, there's no way they're just going to bench Brett Gardner. It Why? Might. He's very good defensively, and he's just like they're just not going to bench Brett Gardner. I mean, th- he's not going to play every day, but well, I, I, I don't I think just,
0: he would be on the bench every day necessarily in this scenario either. He would give guys a rest here and there. Sure. Uh, I if Bird and Voigt continue to hit into the regular season like they had this spring, I think it's possible we we see this become the plan. I mean, entering spring training, Gardner was supposedly fighting to fend off Clint Frazier, so they at least seem open to the idea that he's not an everyday player for them anymore. Frazier didn't perform at all this spring, so that didn't come to pass. But
1: I anticipate Gardner will sit against lefties. Yeah. And then yeah, and then you could DH both of those guys and then you could get Stanton in left field or right field, judge in left, I guess. Um but yeah, I I just was curious if you are less enthused about taking Luke Voigt. I think you have to be a little. Bit. I am. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm. I'm more inclined to let somebody else take Voit, and then I take Pete Alonso. Right. Okay. But I'm still excited to take Voit, too. If that makes sense, like it does.
1: But I, took, I took him in our points him. league the I, other day. Yeah. I'm
0: just not. I'm finding I'm not always the one taking him anymore, like I was. You know, when we were drafting in January or whatever.
1: I think you. You look at Luke Voight. And I drafted him in a in a shallow league at a point where it was like, okay, if the guy I draft here is completely useless and I have to drop him in Week 1, is it really going to affect my team? No. He was my utility. I've been right. playing in 12-team points leagues for like 10 years, and I know I can find somebody that I like for my utility on the waiver right. wire. So that's, and meanwhile, I, I think shot.
0: the upside for Voight is basically the same as it is for Jose Abreu, like 290, 30-plus homers. So... Yeah, that's that's exactly the way you use a pick like that. You know, there's going to be a lot of turnover on the back end of your roster. There should be if you're active as active as you are on the as you're at, if you're as active as you need to be on the waiver wire. Uh, so you, yeah, it's not. It's more because there are other options available in that same range who I think are just exciting as exciting in terms of upside, like a Pete Alonso, than it is that I'm been scared away from Luke Voigt.
1: Okay, I you know I'm I'm so concerned on this show that we're not giving our listeners all the information, all the strategies they need. But I think I just have to like relax and let the, we've done we've done a good job, you know. I think we've we've done a thorough job. We've talked about draft strategies, sleepers, breakouts, busts, all that stuff. Um, and I I hope you're all prepared tomorrow when we do the ADP review. I think we'll give us a nice opportunity to talk about some players that we don't usually talk about and kind of look at where hitters and pitchers are being drafted and when you need to be reaching at different positions and whatnot. But uh, I think if you've been listening for the last month since we started the position previews, you should be in good shape. we got to update you on position battles. So, yeah, do you have any interest in Dakota Hudson, who appears to be the favorite to be St. Louis' number five starter? Again,
0: I don't like to set upside on pitchers who throw hard, in his case, a prospect pedigree. But I, I think it's more for deeper leagues now. He's He wasn't a big bat-misser in the minors. Seems more like a ground ball specialist. We'll see if that stuff plays up.
1: I don't know what else there is to discuss that we haven't discussed. We talked about the White Sox closers. We talked about the New York Yankees and Mets first baseman. I guess we could bring up the Dodgers rotation because you wrote about Walker Buehler and how he might not be – an obvious start at the beginning of the year because they're still building up his innings. He might not even go, like, five innings, I think you said you were worried about. Uh, I don't remember exactly the number you said. But Walker Buehler, yeah, could be a little disappointing for owners early in the year.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Right, they hadn't built him up. They're going to piggyback uh, Julio Arias with him, it sounds like. Arias is... Probably going to be on the opening day roster as a reliever, but more like a piggyback situation where they're each pitching four innings, which I think is, I I take as an encouraging development for Arias, but given the price tag you're paying for Bueller, like he's an ace, I mean, it's not a great scenario for an ace. Maybe by his third, fourth start, he'll be pitching, you know, six, seven innings and it won't be an issue. But it's just a reminder that he's not as safe as the others in that group. Listen,
1: Scott. What needs to happen is Walker Buehler, when he's taken out of the game, he needs to literally go to the bullpen and give Arias a piggyback ride out to the mound. It would be terrific theater, <laughs> and it would be great for baseball. These are the types of outside the box thoughts that we need in baseball. It's you know, we got to attract the younger generation. They love the kids love piggyback rides. So just consider it. Jordan? Yeah, I think so. Have you given your kids a piggyback ride yet?
0: I haven't. I haven't. Oh, Scott,
1: get, do it today and let us know.
0: Yeah. I'm not, uh, see, my first son isn't the most coordinated. My second son's looking better. He looks like he might be the athlete of the two. But the <laughs> first of them, I'm not totally confident he would hold on like he needs to.
1: You, he's, He can hold on. You
0: hold his legs. Oh, you'd be surprised.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> things, so that, to, things like that don't come naturally to him. That just means you have to hunch more. So he's basically just like laying flat.
0: Yeah. You know, take the pressure off of him. Have you given yours a piggyback ride? He's not
1: even a year old. No, he's eight months. Yeah. Not yet. I'm practicing, though, you know. Uh, so Jordan Hicks. I think, you know, we've expressed the excitement that Hicks is going to be the closer. He's got 11 strikeouts in five innings. He also has seven walks in five innings. And that is something that could really hurt him. Not winning the job, necessarily, but keeping the job. So what do you think about Jordan Hicks right now?
0: Yeah, I was pretty hot on him during kind of the middle stages of spring training and he's not a sure thing. I mean, the hope is that his slider, which looks pretty good, helps his fastball play up, and he becomes a big swing-and-miss pitcher. So already strikeouts are a question mark. And then you throw control in there too, and, I mean, you have to be really good at at least one of those things, I think, to make it as a closer. And there, he's a question for both. I mean... Maybe Carlos Martinez comes back and he becomes the closer. Maybe Alex Reyes becomes the closer. Of course, Andrew Miller's there. There are
1: there are options. Hicks,
0: John Brebbia
1: sleeper. John Brebbia. That
0: one would surprise me, but maybe. Uh, I look, and I, I'm still drafting Hicks as like a number two reliever, but right. It's you have to be aware; it's not a sure thing.
1: So Hicks or or Strickland.
0: I would I would rather take Hicks. I take but I definitely take Hicks in a shallower league. I think if you're drafting Hicks as your number two reliever in it talking a categories league, you need to draft a third somebody like Strickland just to kind of just to provide some some insurance there, but yeah, in a shallower league, like a points league a, a league where you know there will be some saves available on the waiver wire i'd I'd go for the upside of Hicks
1: okay, and then we think Matt Barnes is going to be the at least open the year as the closer for the Red Sox. And, that I mean, that, he could end up being a, just an amazing steal. I still think they're going to trade for someone at some point, but, yeah, we worry about that in July. Any other position battles? Please say no. I'd love to get the emails here.
0: Oh, there are, are a ton of position battles, Adam. All
1: uh, right, well, anything really, but, really important?
0: Uh that we haven't covered at all this podcast. Uh, go ahead and get to the first email. I'll see if I find any on my column.
1: Okay, and I thought we was. were going to talk about Fab, but we can talk about that next week because... You know, you need the season to start. From Carlos, I have Kershaw and Polanco going on the DL to start the season. Brad Peacock is available. Should I drop Joe Musgrove, Nate Ivaldi, or John Gray to get Brad Peacock or wait for players to become DL eligible, IL eligible, you should have said, and then get Peacock, taking the risk of someone else picking him up? So uh, you could either wait for the season to start to try to get Brad Peacock or you could drop Musgrove, Ivaldi, or John Gray. And also, Paddock is a free agent.
0: Is this so? Is this a league where the, the relief pitcher eligibility matters?
1: I do not know, but I would say that no matter what, I would be dropping Musgrove for Peacock. I don't know how you feel about that.
0: Well, but then you throw Paddock into the mix. I'm not sure he doesn't serve priority over Peacock, unless like if it's if it's a league where Sparps matter, like it's a points league. Peacock,
1: but I'd, I'd go Peacock. I'd go Peacock I think, no matter what. I think I'd chase the upside of Paddock otherwise. Oh, there's so much upside with Brad Peacock. And know, upside that I've actually seen in the majors as a starter.
0: I get it. I mean, all three of these guys deserve to be rostered. So, I have Joe Musgrove on my sleeper list, so would you, that's not totally under. Would you, drop, him.
1: would you drop, say, Nate Evaldi and Musgrove for Peacock and Paddock?
0: You know, in a shallow league like this, even though I know I rank Evaldi ahead, but it, it, if these two guys are available, it must be a pretty shallow league. And I think in that case, I would just I would sell out for the upside like that. I, I think I would drop both Musgrove and Avaldi for Paddock and Peacock.
1: Dan in Toronto is in a 12-team, 5-category, head-to-head auction league. Uh, you do have to start a middle infielder and corner infield. $260 budget. How much would you be willing to bid on Adalberto Mondesi?
0: I would be willing to bid Um So what? I I passed on him for twenty eight dollars, right? In our something like twelve team roto league. So I twenty five I think is what I have him for. I'd be willing to go twenty six, maybe even twenty seven, but twenty eight is where I drew the line.
1: From Nick, should uh should I drop Jesus Lazardo for Josh James?
0: Um, I would say no, but I I don't. It, it's just a judgment call. Like if if you think James, like I, there's a chance James is in the rotation sooner, but there's a chance he's not in the rotation at all.
1: This is an email from Scott. Dear Mark, Freddie, John, and Jose, as a huge fan of this team, I hope you get this reference. Mark, Freddie, John, and Jose. Oh, I got it, but I had to Google it. <laughs> got it. I believe I, I want to say these are World Series champions on the same pitching staff: Mark, Freddie, John, and Jose. Who the hell was Freddie? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Is it? So I think Freddy? this is Mark Burley, Freddie Gonzalez, uh, Freddie Garcia, Garcia,
0: John Garland,
1: and Jose and... Contreras. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if, if that was the World Series team, but those are White Sox guys. Uh, I drafted. I have Tyler White on my bench. I went to pick up Trevor Richards and was going to drop White. Then it dawned on me. I have no idea how to value Tyler White this year. Could you speak about Tyler White's value? Categories league.
0: I think there's a lot of upside. Just looking at his minor league numbers, looking what he did primarily in August last year, it kind of tailed off at the end. But what makes it hard to assess his value is it how committed the Astros are to him. That's hard to say. I and mean, DH is the spot he'd be filling with Evan Gattis gone. But at some point they're going to want to find playing time for Kyle Tucker. I don't think they're totally um, just making a bench player out of Tony Kemp. They're going to move pieces around. And like in previous opportunities in the majors, kind of like last September, White has been... Very streaky, and it's possible he just slumps his way out of the rotation. That's what we're going to call it, like a basketball right. term, rotation. Right. Um, so he's a late-round flyer. You know, I'm not as excited about him as, like, the Luke Voits and Pete Alonzos of the world, but there's there's a chance come mid-June we either view him as a must-start option or he's just buried on the waiver wire with no hope of being claimed again.
1: A few more emails. This is from Jerry. I just finished my draft and I realized I'm low on projected home runs. Who are some guys outside the top 250 that could hit 30 home runs?
0: Outside the top 250.
1: Okay, I got ADP up here. Well, I don't think Domingo Santana's going to hit more than 30. Pete Alonso. There's a chance, though. I mean, if we're just talking a chance,
0: yeah, definitely Pete Alonso. Fran Moraes? Uh, yes, that. That's a position battle that I don't think we're going to get resolved. But back on the subject of position battles. Randall uh, Grichick?
1: Sure. <laughs> Who else? Jake Lamb?
0: We're looking outside the top 250. Lamb could, yes. i the least enthusiastic about him of that group, but he could. Jay, he's Bruce. Done it before. Jay Bruce? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, particularly if he's. If the Mariners have enough confidence in his health, you know, because he was Plantar Fasciitis dealing with that all last year. If the Mariners are confident enough his health with his health that he's their number three hitter, and he was a consistent source of thirty homers prior to last year,
1: right? Jung Ho Gong, I think for sure could. Well, yeah, yeah, a he'd be in the ballpark. And then honestly, I <laughs> Greg Bird. Okay, uh, next email, John from Philly how do you fill out your bench in a points league In a points league? It's usually
0: starting pitchers. It is. That's the format where you're most taking advantage of two start weeks. And, um, there's not as much available on the waiver wire ever, ever as there is in like a, a roto league. So just in terms of cornering the breakouts, you want to fill your bench with starting pitchers there as well. Um, I might take a high upside hitter or two, particularly if it's somebody really versatile or if it's somebody I think has a lot of upside. But for the most part, I want that to be starting pitchers.
1: Okay. Now, this is a 10-team points league, so I I think that you might be able to find good pitchers on waivers. Uh, But in a 12-team points league, I mean, I'm totally with what Scott said. In a 10-team points league, uh, maybe I might tilt a little more toward high upside hitters. But again, I... Maybe I wouldn't overthink it in a 10-team points league because, truthfully, there are going to be plenty of players on waivers throughout the year. Uh, just a couple more emails, Scott. We'll try to get done quickly here. Hugh from St. Louis. Uh, I, need improve on, I need to improve on setting my lineup each week in a head-to-head points league. What do you take into consideration when you make your weekly lineup decisions?
0: I try not to change my lineup much at all. This is kind of a general rule across, um, across fantasy, particularly with... A must start like a must-start hitter is a must-start hitter, and it doesn't matter what his matchups are. And usually mm-hmm. that part of your lineup in a head to head format without the middle infield spot, the extra outfielders, normally that's going to be a must-start player. You might have like an outfielder you're debating. You might have like your utility spot. It's not somebody like a Nelson Cruz where you're just automatically starting him. Yeah, you know, that's fine if you have a couple spots. Uh, but for the most part I'm just leaving them. Starting pitcher is where you make the most adjustments, and a lot of it just has to do with who's making two starts. I don't automatically start sit a one-star guy for a two-star guy. I, I think there is a must-start class in that format at starting pitcher, and it's basically you know the ace tier, the Trevor Bowers of the world, um, you know that group, but something like. Uh, you know, a two start. Um, I'm trying to think, of it, like a two right, start, like a,
1: like a two, like a one start. Yusei Kikuchi is like a top forty pitcher, or a two start. Joey Lucchese. Joey Lucchese, who has the Giants and Diamondbacks at home.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm. for that comparison. I'm not even sure the matchups matter that much, but yeah, that that's where you prioritize the two start guy over the one start guy, and obviously if. Somebody like Kikuchi turns out to be a true frontline pitcher. You change your assessment. But that's, you know, the range I'm thinking is like 25 and beyond at starting pitcher. They're all subject to being benched for an interesting two-star guy, not a scrubby two-star guy because, you know, there's a lot of damage that can be done if you do that. But somebody else who you'd think about rostering, um, regardless of the number of starts they're making, then yeah, that's, that's, they're worth swapping out.
1: This is Seth from York, Pennsylvania, our last email of the day. Dear Gordy, Chris, Teddy, and Vern. Come on, Verno. Vern should be the giveaway, right? Vern. Come on, Verno. This is Stand stand by me. Stand by me.
0: Okay. Terrific movie.
1: Uh, So last year I grew increasingly frustrated with my catcher only playing about four games a week. So I dropped my catcher and I picked up Kurt Suzuki and Tyler Flowers. And this is obviously a daily league. And uh, I had a starter every day and their combined stats were very good. Do you like that strategy? Is there any team that you would do this with? We get this question somewhat frequently. (laughs) It just seemed like because the Braves had two catchers that combined for good numbers, people thought this was a viable strategy. But I was like the only team, I'm pretty sure. So I hate this strategy. Well, in a daily league, it makes
0: more sense than, like, a two-catcher league where you're committing both of those spots.
1: I just don't want to waste a roster spot on a freaking catcher. Like, in a daily league, I'd rather have a better hitter that I could sub in for an outfielder or whatever That when he's got a day off.
0: That makes sense. I mean, I do think there are some other tandems that could produce. I mean, look where Kurt Suzuki went. Washington, between him and Jan Gomes, sure. I think they'll well, put up pretty good is numbers. Awful. Um,
1: eh, he might not be. He's been he's been awful for most of his career. Yeah. The other way, you 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 roster two catchers, you play them every day, you're going to hurt your batting average, your OBP a lot. But I that's true. Yeah. I get it. I guess if it, you can pull it off, if you have the roster space, it's not the worst idea. But I don't I don't like. Yeah,
0: it. you'd have to have a pretty big roster. I think you're right about that. That's just not the wisest use of of that roster wisest use of that roster space
1: right Sky White thank you very much thanks for going overtime today
0: do I still have time to finish this bracket because we're yeah, coming up on yeah, it yeah right? you got
1: like 20 minutes
0: alright
1: you should be pretty much done I, I took UNC over Duke what are you gonna do
0: well so far I got Duke in the championship game I'm still working on the other half of the bracket okay.
1: good luck Scott we left all of you out there. Talk to you tomorrow with a complete ADP review. See ya.